0: welcome viewers we have a return to the channel jason horsley who's gone over a range of fascinating subjects with us in the past huge congratulations to him he has got do we live in a ginocracy event coming up friday october the 13th in london at the tea house theater and the link for that is in the description box below the video as are all of jason's other links And we are going to get into some deep and some um, very contemporary borderline political and esoteric subjects to do with tech as well. But before we do so, because this Russell Brand story is such big news headlines right now, I was just going to get Jason's thoughts as to whether he'd um, heard about what was going on or or knew anything. Did you ever bump into him in London?
1: No, uh no. I'm not even I was about to say my brother knew him but I'm not even sure if their paths crossed but my brother Sebastian Horsley who pops up quite a lot in my interviews because he, he was famous for a while before he died he, he disliked Russell Brown because he felt that they were competing they had a similar sort of style and lifestyle um but no I, my path never crossed Russell Brown and I have never been very interested in Russell what Russell Brown has been doing except kind of I mean as a fellow researcher, I'm always interested in what people are doing but I didn't particularly like Russell Brand's style um I just heard about what happened from my wife it's all my news comes from my wife because I don't I don't even look for the news on Twitter I just focus on (laughs) what I'm doing uh but she told me about it and um I asked her what her opinion was like what does it look like And uh, she said that part of what it looked like was, uh, and apparently this has been confirmed today, that whether or not there's truth in the allegations, um, it's being used to conflate or make congruent or make synonymous somehow connect uh, sexual harassment and abuse or even rape with going against the mainstream narrative because, I mean, you could say Russell Brown was always doing that to some degree, but he had millions of viewers, so he obviously wasn't rocking the boat too much, uh, I would say. I mean, wasn't he even on YouTube? I'm not sure if he was still on YouTube.
0: 6.2 million followers, but he just got demonetized today, so he's no longer going to get any financial incentive to post there.
1: Right, so he was on YouTube, or he is on YouTube, but they just demonetized him. So my point being that until the recent things he was doing about which we may not want to mention my name on your channel uh he was doing okay i mean if you, if you can pass the youtube test then you're not really ruffling too many feathers i mean even i've been on banned on youtube briefly and i i've only got two thousand followers um it was for the same thing it was for mentioning the unmentionable around this uh, the pandemic and whatnot um Anyway, the, 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 what seems to be happening is that there's, those things are being made congruent. And I, I've been more and more aware of this, um, that uh, having certain opinions, as I do, or certain interpretations of, of, sort of societal events and so on and so forth, being a conspiracy theorist in quotes, uh, is more and more associated with other things. It's not simply, it used to be just maybe tinfoil hat was the worst kind of frame you'd end up in, which obviously isn't a great frame to be in. But if you're credible in in other ways, you probably won't end up being framed like that. Uh, People might not believe you, but they won't think you're a reprehensible person. But in the last few years, it's become more and more like, well, just right wing, for example. If you have certain theories like this, you must be right wing. You must be a Donald Trump supporter. So it seems like the anti is being upped now. As I say, this is independently on whether or not Russell Brand uh, is guilty of any of these allegations. Certainly, it seems to be being used for this. I mean, previous to this, my feeling about Russell Brand, and as I said to you in the intro, this is purely speculative that based on instinctive impression but it's deductive as well somewhat was that he seemed wittingly or not to be what's known as controlled opposition as a way to uh present certain counter narratives in a relatively harmless fashion that directs people who might be really questioning things or who are questioning things into a a limited hangout as it's called nowadays um that was my general estimation of the guy Uh, and so but also of alex jones another very popular conspiracy theorist who's been cancelled and all the rest of it Um, it does it lend credibility i think alex jones has probably got more credibility now precisely for this point that i i i've made and i often make if they're really a threat to the mainstream narrative and the powers that be how come they have such large followings and they're not being shut down or even killed. I mean, we know that the powers that be have no qualms about removing uh, offensive elements um, ruthlessly, like it's it's well known, of course it is. Uh, And they can do it in a way that makes it look like an accident and so on. So for whatever reason, these very major figures like Alex Jones, David Icke, Russell Brand, they are certainly allowed to continue. Um, So that's my general view. now this has happened well uh it it's not either or as all i could say i mean it could it could be he could be entirely innocent It could be framed this could have been set up from the start he could be in on it. one can make so many speculations um the only thing is i suppose for me things i'm not particularly interested in russell brown or following him uh uh I, my sister really liked him and i kept telling him, it's ironic because i I had a number of conversations with her about what if you found out that Russell Brand did this or did that, what what then? And uh, so I'll have to check in with her, see how she feels about Russell Brand now. But yeah, for me, the main takeaway currently is how it's going to affect what I do or what other sincere and less popular researchers do. Are we now going to get branded not just as deplorable Trump supporters, but as uh, potential Rapists, I don't know, it seemed, it seemed crazy and absurd to me, but apparently the mainstream media has already jumped on that bandwagon that was probably pre-prepared. You know, even just the association in people's minds uh, is problematic. If this,
0: Jason, if this chain of events led to Russell Brand getting completely canceled off all mainstream media, would that make you reappraise that he was controlled opposition?
1: Uh, well, that would depend. I mean, Alex Jones, uh, I mean, he's. I think he's cancelled pretty much on what we think of as mainstream, if you include YouTube as mainstream. Uh, but he's still going strong, uh, I believe. I'm not sure how strong. <laughs> um, uh, so, um, I mean, it, it would lend some credibility, I suppose. Uh, I think, I mean, it's pretty hard to counsel somebody completely on the internet, particularly. I mean, because many, many, or most of Alex Jones' followers, similar with Donald Trump now, who's got these charges, these trumped-up, haha ha charges. Um, the the people who really believed and were behind those figures, Alex Jones, Donald Trump, Russell Brand, uh, it's, it, they're not really. They're not likely to believe the charges because they're they're more likely to think, oh, they're trying to cancel him because he's speaking the truth so right there it's uh it's not very effective uh, except in terms of it's what i call schismogenesis see to me it's, it's all part of the plan if you just keep dividing people into more and more opposed masses you're not actually preventing a whole demographic from having access to alternate narratives, or even believing in them. In fact, as I've just pointed out, you might increase their passionate belief in a figure who's distributing these counter narratives. But you are creating more and more of a split between that demographic and another demographic. We've seen this with the pandemic. I don't know how many words I'm allowed to use here around this, but um, there's there's more. It's more and more confusing. Like what you're allowed to say around covid 19 because mainstream media has even said a number of things that a few months before were considered considered conspiracy theory right? so it's hard to really keep up and what it seems to be is that the people who are just dedicated at a non-rational level to the mainstream narrative and they invested in believing and trusting in it even if they can see it's false uh it doesn't really matter it's not really a rational thing. And to some extent, I think it's true also of the the, the beliefs in QAnon and so on, just, just not to the same degree. There's a kind of herd mentality that uh, I think is um, it's a trap either way. You know, even if you believe something that's closer to the truth, you still get pulled into a kind of herd mentality around it.
0: What do you think of the weaponization of, charges of this nature that are being levied on russell brand right now
1: like me too for example i mean because it's, it's been a build-up over the years that have, has made it as he says weaponized it I, I i think it's all part of the plan i mean it's all been intentionally engineered with a lot of useful well-meaning but not very informed or aware people and participants i mean the general populace like the woke movement if you want to call it that i suppose 90 percent of people who identify as woke or have those values and are propagating them they aren't uh, they they're they sincere they aren't aware of the agendas behind the woke ideology at all and they think you're a right-wing conspiracy theorist if you try and point it out um so the same with me too which is pre-woke uh, And it's weirdly, it's almost, well, it's very much like a a mainstreamizing of compromat, essentially, because people generally know about compromat now, even in the mainstream with somebody like Jeffrey Epstein, might not have really sunk in, but the idea is, and it's in movies and things as well, of course, blackmail. Uh, So now now, now it's like everybody who wants to can try and gather compromat on anyone they want to the whole internet social media social network media has has facilitated the weaponizing of of uh, these things and it's it's well it's tragic really because it's um the truth uh is is that there are these terrible abuses going on whether or not you know, a given participant is really guilty of them. And then it all gets mashed together. I mean, Harvey Weinstein is not the equivalent of Dustin Hoffman patting some actress's butt or some extras butt. But they might or I don't he didn't really get cancelled. But it's the only example that came to mind that there tends to be or CK Lewis. I mean what he did. I'm not saying it's harmless, but it's not in the same ballpark as as Harvey Weinstein, obviously. And then you've got Jimmy Savile and there's such a wide spectrum but uh, the weaponization of it and the woke ideology that's facilitated that weaponization uh, it's it's not really addressing evil that's the problem I mean, it's not actually looking at evil institutional and individual evil it's looking at the right kind of signaling essentially and the, and the right kind of social comportment so i'm not saying you know as i say it's a spectrum so Uh, but a lot of the time the people who are committing the worst crimes they do know how to signal give the right signals
0: It's interesting because earlier on you said about kind of like a martyr factor that would make him even more popular and if you look at his following over the weekend because you can see how many followers he gained or lost it was Saturday night the dispatches program where the four women came out with the allegations and if you look at his YouTube following, it actually increased by 20,000 after that program heard.
1: Gosh. Well, there you go. I guess that's, I mean, if you look at a counter example, Julian Assange, it was very obvious to me anyway, I, mean, I was saying the one where other levels and layers and things, but still, at the, at the, at the first few layers with Julian Assange, it was very obvious that he was set up. That the charges were trumped up and fabricated i think and it was very obvious that that was an attempt to really neutralize him and that julian Assange. and Susan, i'm not saying he's exactly what he appears to be or that he's a heroic figure but certainly you could see what happens to somebody who they really do want to shut down i mean i'm getting so chills to think about it could um, it could be fake but i think it's real what if it's real, what happened to Julian Assange and where he is now, that's what happens when you really piss off people with power. It's really ugly and terrible and your life is destroyed. Um, that doesn't seem likely to happen in the case of Russell Brown, I don't think. Another thing about Russell Brown is that uh, his his persona, as one of the reasons I didn't like him, was so extravagant. That although as far as I know he didn't make jokes about these kind of things he certainly made a lot of jokes about a lot of things and he was obviously somebody who had a very voracious kind of sexuality like he put that front and center um so that makes it seem like it was not really a surprise if he was like that I'm not saying that's true but um because it could have been you know could have been just just an act but it is a bit close some Certain elements of his public persona are similar to Jimmy Savile, let's say. Big, big, bigger than live performer, lots of jokes, lots of, you know, movements, and um, somewhat known to have a, a, a shady lifestyle. I know he allegedly cleaned up, but certainly the shadiness of his lifestyle prior to cleaning up, if he did, was no secret. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he does have some of the earmarks of somebody who might well have been trying to cover up his uh, proclivities the opposite way to the standard way. Instead of trying to appear squeaky clean, he he tried to appear like a hot mess of stuff, which like Jimmy Savile did as if to signal, well, if I was really up to something, I wouldn't be this extravagant. But anyway, as I said, that's, that's very speculative
0: well the definitive expose on savile is called in plain sight a book that i've read and they subtitled the channel Four dispatches program about russell brand in plain sight and they also showed a clip uh five six years ago sorry before jimmy savile was exposed of russell brand talking to savile and savile says to russell brand you can come and meet me only if you bring your sister and Russell says, I don't have a sister, um, but I'll bring my assistant. And there's a, there's a bit of a lewd and misogynistic exchange of banter between the two. But, you know, um, they're using that, it seems, to taint him even more by attaching him to Savile.
1: Right. I didn't know that. And I'm very wary about joining a mainstream bandwagon that might be scapegoating somebody who's relatively innocent. Um, on the other hand as I said I have found Russell Brand to be quite suspicious as a public figure even to the point of considering looking more deeply into his background partly because my sister likes him so much uh, to 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 find out if there is evidence Uh, starting for example with him his affiliation with the new spectator is it called the new I think but anyway the Fabian the Fabian magazine because of course I've written and researched a whole lot about the Fabian society and uh they're centrally instrumental in creating the societal hell of progressive liberation so-called that we live in today in my view and and in terms of organized child abuse and pedophile rings and stuff it's 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 complicated I had to write a whole book about it but certainly, if you wanted to find uh, an organization that was identifiably culpable, guilty, uh, in terms of some of the worst crimes that we're talking about, sexual predation, then the Fabian Society and, and across the board, really in terms of social engineering. Uh, that doesn't mean, I mean, because again, somebody can be a, I mean, I don't know if Russell Brand's even identified as a Fabian. I don't think he has. Uh, but certainly he's he's been propagating ideas that are compatible with the Fabian society. So, uh, and and the other thing I lo- I've i not looked at but considered and talked about with Russell Brand is what isn't he talking about? Uh, like I asked my sister, does he talk about transgender, for example? Is he really going out on a limb and taking risks? Because there are certain things in society and maybe this can segue into Big Mother. I don't know how you are about talking about transgender because it also is obviously very politically sensitive. but um, what we're
0: gonna what we're gonna do Jason is I'm just gonna yeah. tell the viewers now we're gonna have Jason completely uncensored, go to locals to watch the rest of this video and from this moment on Jason you can say what the bloody hell you want because we're publishing this on a platform that's not gonna strike us off the face of the earth.
1: Right. Okay, S- right. So then there's a, a pause where we uh, <laughs> switch over into an alternate universe and I uh, <laughs> stop worrying about that. Okay, so transgender. I L- uh, well, just you is,
0: um, li- the link is in the description box for the locals to so watch the balance of it. And also the link is in the description box for Jason's show. Do we live in a gynocracy?
1: Uh, okay shall I carry on that chain of thought then
0: yes please okay
1: Uh, yeah the point I was going to make about transgender and Russell Brand I mean maybe he does talk about transgender but I I don't think he does um, was that there are things in society which are doing terrible harm and transgender is one of them and I think it's come more to public consciousness in Britain at least with the Tavistock being closed and so on Um, terrible harm I mean to children it is child abuse that the ideology of transgender has facilitated all kinds of child abuse medical child abuse mainly but other kinds as well Um, and uh, so if you're somebody who has a platform of that kind of millions of viewers to me the opportunity there is to really talk about the things that that are dangerous to talk about you could say well strategically you have you want to maintain your platform you but i don't i don't go for that i don't trust that really i mean there's a certain amount of strategic sensitive so it's just i know that you do with your youtube about not mentioning certain words okay for the algorithms um but anyway you've you've also just shared your strategy there which is you have another platform where you can talk about everything um so that's kind of, that's one of my hard and fast standards really with with mainstream public figures you know how much are they really um, taking a risk with their own career to talk about things that that matter uh,
0: when you when you I, say you know when you're talking about transgender causing harm are you talking about extremist elements you're not talking about all transgender people but extremist elements in the movement uh,
1: well well certainly the activists but but i didn't mean that i mean obviously the activists are notoriously violent no i meant in terms of the ideology and the policies in terms of um not just children but but it's worse with children but adults also who are having body dysphoria uh, or, or so-called gender disorder dys- dysphoria but i try not to use the word gender um biological sex dysphoria a feeling of not being comfortable being in their bodies and being a certain sex, that the way that they're being handled and in, and the way that the laws are making it uh, obligatory to handle them is is harmful. Like they're not they never talk to it in a open psychological context of let's explore this, what might be behind it. It goes it goes straight to, oh, you must be a boy in a woman's body or a, or a girl in a boy's body here are the drugs here's the, the protocol for the surgery if you choose to take it etc cetera, etc cetera. and it's it's corporate driven i mean there's something behind the corporations and there's something behind the something behind the corporations which is what big mother gets into i i'd say it's the face of real evil that but obviously it's uh, transgender also includes individuals who are suffering so i that has, well, has to separate out the different layers of, of this uh, problem.
0: So are they clients for life or big pharma and an extremely lucrative clients at that because of the amount of medical attention and pharmaceuticals that they need?
1: Yeah, well, that's right. And it's, to me, it's a microcosm, if that's the word, or just a very hot button example of, again, what Big Mother is about, uh, the nanny state brave new world that Huxley predictively programmed into us all um, that whereby a, an ideology is fabricated and propagated in terms of personal liberation and personal choices uh, and values that you are encouraged to pursue for your happiness basically it's all about self invention and living without consequences but in order to ascribe to those values and try and live those values and try and achieve those goals such as this extreme example of trying to change your sex which is impossible hence they introduced the word gender to biology or to sexuality um, you have you can only do it with the support of the state right you can't like David Bowie in the 70s he, he of course he had been told he was a girl now and operated on but what have you but point I'm making is that somebody like that, and he's a celebrity, but the equivalent of you know, people uh, who aren't celebrities, they can just play around. They can reinvent just with their outfits and, and so on and so forth. And you know, it's a phase they go through. It's not likely unless they're Quentin Crisp or they become a professional drag artist or Frankenfurt and the Rocky Horror Show. Most, mm-hmm. In most cases, they won't try and continue it too far into adulthood, uh, but they can if they want to. But but if you if you turn to the state and to big pharma and surgery and so on for these things, uh, a you as you say you're totally dependent on those institutions, uh, and b you can't really back out. Well, they, there are de-transitioners now, many, but they're silenced. Uh, but, but and it's it's horrific. I mean, it's horrific if it's successful, the operations and so on. Well, how it's done, uh, but then it's doubly horrific if it's if it's reversed. But anyway, I mean, I say transgender, I only talk about it really as an example of something because I don't, you know, I don't have direct experience of it, not really. Um, but in Big Mother, I, I the middle section of Big Mother is about transgender and the politics of it um, as an example of this larger thing, as they say, which is the, the nanny state, which is trying to uh, re-engineer us to volunteer for the re-engineering of the you know, the machinery of the state. So what is womb envy? As far, I don't know if I coined that phrase, but obviously Freud coined the penis envy. And it seems a bit ironic to me because I don't think that penis envy, I don't think it really has much credibility there, actually. I mean, Freud doesn't generally, because because right, psychology has been undervalued, devalued, but a lot of what Freud explored was, meaningful is still today, but penis envy doesn't seem to be one that's really you know, maintained its usefulness um, and uh, but womb envy which hasn't been coined really, uh, I think there's a very strong case to be made for womb envy which embraces all kinds of uh, perspectives or interpretations including ones that um, are relatively mainstream, such as, you know, is there a widespread hatred and fear of women among men? Because I I actually don't argue against that. I think that 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 is part of the problem. It's just that nobody asks why there is, um, why men are afraid of women and why they can be hostile towards women. Anyway, so so womb envy uh, connects to that because it seems to me that part of uh, the reason that many powerful men throughout history uh, I'm thinking of people like Descartes or Francis Bacon, they're coming to mind, but we could think of Mark Zuckerberg today with his metaverse, which failed, I know, but I'm sure he'll try again. Or Elon Musk or, um, you know, m- kind of mainstream major scientific social engineer types, let's say, um, and Fred Baron Frankenstein is the fictional uh, equivalent of this example, that they seem to have womb be, they seem to be at some level. They seem to they want to become gods. I mean, that's a cliche. And transhumanism is all about men wanting to become gods and scientism in general. Uh, and to become a god, they have to create life. Well, women do that every day. I mean, they need the man. I know, but it's happening inside the woman's body. The womb actually is generating life, which is an incredible thing, uh, and and it's something men can't do including transgender women men, <laughs> right? Who want to mm-hmm. say they can, uh, but they can't. Uh, and yet, again, back to the state, the only way that a man could ever give birth would be through artificial engineering. I mean, it would all just happen. It would all be fake, essentially. Uh, not fake is in sense of a hoax, but, but it would all be artificially generated. They might get a flesh and blood creature at the end of it, but God knows what kind of creature because of the process that's involved and why, you know, why is it important for a man to have a womb so he can have a baby? You know? I mean, because, mm-hmm. well, uh, I, I'm trying to finish that sentence because because I'm saying it's because of womb envy, which is this uh, deep-seated f- fear of femininity. I mean, if you think, you think about it, uh, and we don't ever think about it, all men were created inside their mother's bodies all all of us guys at at one point a very crucial period of our lives we were actually part of our mother we were literally physically part of her body right Uh, and we didn't know any difference like in a womb you're sentient obviously people don't have memories of the womb because they don't have a mind and identity but we're physically sentient we're aware um so we but we wouldn't be aware of our mother we'd just be aware of our existence in this environment uh which we're inseparable from and that is big mother for a fetus you know it's the mother and it's big um and then when a child is born talking about a male child but all this is the same for a female child it's just that it doesn't have the same consequences Uh, uh, the the child's development of an identity or a sense of self is also happening within the um space of the mother i mean one of the things that is written about is that a child becomes a baby becomes somewhat self-aware it takes years to become more fully self-aware through the mother's gaze the mother looks at the baby the mother makes makes faces the baby mirrors that that whole process that's the shaping of of, of a child sense of self that's happening with the mother as the mirror so, so that's what...
0: happening Jason that's happening in here right now we, we had a baby three weeks ago and um the, he's, he's really locking eye contact and starting to smile right yeah, yeah.
1: well of course it can be the father too uh and there could be cases where the mother isn't absent but uh, I mean whether the mother is absent and there's only a father but that doesn't solve it uh because this is this is not just i mean i'm using that as an example of something of a process that is also happening at these much subtler energetic levels so even i mean certainly the more present the father is the better for, for a male child particularly but for either you know, either sex um but even i mean there's no i don't think anyone has been a father and i haven't but i've observed it uh won't be able to t- testify to the fact that the mother is the primary object of interest for a baby. She's got the milk. (laughs) (laughs) It's got, but it's, yeah, it's the milk, but it's the whole package.
0: Yeah. And not just the physical,
1: but the psyche as well. The kind of, the mother is open to the child, psychically. Yeah,
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, And they're very protective because Jen, my partner, is having all kinds of, thoughts about things that could possibly happen that must be pre- prevented from you know threats to the baby the hypervigilance, I would call it but I guess that's part of a mother's instinct
1: well it brings us to big mother because hyper is what we're living in a world now of hyper vigilance and it's not just the, the technocratic super state the panopticon the surveillance state it's everyone now as we've talked about with the weaponized social media everybody's watching everybody else and policing everybody else and but there's a correlation between that i would say and it's punitive as well like we've seen with with wokeism uh it, there's a punitive element to it, central to it. you said it's weaponized it wants it wants to punish people for doing and saying the wrong things but one could see that underneath that or as a kind of rationale for it, is this overprotective motherly kind of urge. As they call it the nanny state. And I was talking about the Fabian Society, and one of the things the Fabian Society was instru- instrumental in via the Labour Party, which it created, was uh, a kind of soft socialism, whereby you know single mothers were supported, uh, the doll, people didn't have to work, and so on, the nanny state. You know? essentially stripping people of power and autonomy by giving them what they need to survive under the guise of, of kindly motherly care. Okay. But it doesn't work because you can't grow up right? a child who's always being protected by the mother won't grow up. Well, grow up to be Norman Bates.
0: And what does the nanny state evolve into female totalitarianism?
1: Well, they're, they're, they're synonymous really, uh, as I've just outlined that, the nanny state is taking care of you and people are aware of the nanny state in these different ways and again with the pandemic covid and the mandates and all that that was all under the guise of protection we'll go we're trying to protect you we're protecting you You need to cooperate and you need to be responsible to protect others and stuff so that's the nanny state but you can see it was also a totalitarian state you know the thin end of a totalitarian wedge So that's where you get female this phrase female totalitarianism, which uh, I looked it up online and I could only find a couple of videos with Jordan Peterson, one of which I posted. Uh, So he has talked about uh, female totalitarianism, but it hasn't been picked up as an idea, which is interesting, because obviously Jordan Peterson gets everywhere. and, and it's an interesting paradox. So it seems like a contradiction in terms like what would female totalitarianism look? Like? Because people tend often will respond and I have to deal with this with my presentation in London. I'm doing it with Nina Power as a woman, so it's good, so it'll be balanced out in that regard for anyone who's like, who is this guy to say this, that and the other? Um, the gen- a re- reaction often is, well, what do you mean? Men run the world um, still which is highly questionable anyway, even just in terms of job positions and so on. But the point is about female totalitarianism. Uh, well, one of them is, is that uh, it doesn't look like male totalitarianism. That's the whole point in putting female in front of it. Like the way that the feminine uh, instrument uh, implements tyranny looks very, very different. It doesn't look like tyranny. And to a certain extent, it doesn't necessarily look use women, I mean it does, but it could also use men, because there's this, this, this cliché, behind every great man is a great woman. There's also this cliché, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And in both cases, we're talking about a hidden force. Right? The, the woman is hidden, but still, the woman has the power. And I, and I say, and it's in the notes I gave you, that actually all of us men and women too of course uh, are aware of it in our interrelation even before woke even before feminism uh there's a certain power that women have that men don't have that men are very aware of and they can get quite angry about it for reasons that we might go into that have to do with the mother um and women can abuse that power right i mean we could just we could go to a number of different places to try and give examples of that but essentially what i'm talking about is is that uh, men have a very strong sex drive and it controls them and women can be very irresponsible or they can be consciously manipulative in triggering that sex drive uh, and putting a man under their power most of the time it's unconscious you know women are not allowed to be conscious of it for a number of different reasons that you could blame men for, like it goes back and forth. But the main point is that at a purely physical level. There is an unrecognized power that women have over men. It's sort of recognized, but it's never put in the context of women having power, social power.
0: So what have you got to say about psychic ancestral possession?
1: Uh, well, Psychos coming to mind um, because that—that's the template for me. I mean, because this is a difficult subject, it's a difficult subject for because it's. I think it's new. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's something that you don't hear much about, and that people don't have a prior set of under, a prior understanding about. So that so so then I look for very simple examples. But then I have to unpack them to show why they are examples. And Psycho, so I always come back to Psycho because that movie is such a, it's such an influential movie. Like it's a movie that if you pick like ten or twenty of the most influential or socially relevant movies, I mean, cinematically relevant movies of the 20th century, you probably have to put Psycho in there because it was a turning point in 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 movies in a number of different ways. And the story uh, is based on Ed Gein, who uh, I hear that I've just found out there's a new documentary coming out, might have just come out, about Ed Gein. Apparently, the Ed Gein tapes. For those who don't know, Ed Gein was one of the first quote serial killers unquote um, in Wisconsin, I believe, uh, in the I don't know, nineteen forties or fifties, nineteen fifties probably, who disinterred female corpses and maybe had sex with them, certainly just took them apart and used the body parts to make objects and to make, he tried to make a a woman's suit out of the skin of these corpses uh, that he could put himself inside to turn himself into a woman, but specifically to turn himself into his mother, who he he also disinterred uh, after she died. actually a bit fuzzy on the facts because he he also murdered several women they were all older women but i'm now blanking whether i don't think he murdered his mother but anyway uh strangely enough i find it strange they they're apparently releasing a bunch of audio tapes of Ed Gein being interviewed after almost a hundred years or whatever it is 80 years um and there's a documentary series around those tapes so that's good for me with my thesis good timing i mean so norman Bates' psycho was based on that the novel by robert block and of course in the novel as in the real the true story of ed gein uh the the psychopath is possessed by his mother's spirit possessed by the memory of his mother because of being possessed by her while she, while she was alive and my, my thesis, as we've touched on, is, is that that kind of possession, uh, it begins in the womb and it can be perfectly natural, like a mother literally possesses the fetus because it's, it's inside her. And then after being born, there's a kind of possession, if you will, that it could it becomes negative then at that point if it is possession. If the mother treats the infant as an object, a love object, let's say, or an anger object then things start going wrong Um, anyway and so and and the the extent to which the 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 male child can't develop a sense of self separately from the mother in a way that's safe and healthy just basically wants to stay uh safe inside the mother's body inside the mother's psyche then what's happening is essentially is instead of developing his own identity his own sense of self uh, he's letting the mother's psyche possess him so he becomes an extension of the mother's psyche and consciousness i've actually seen this happen with my sister who had a brain injury and was in a coma and when she came back to herself she wasn't herself when she came back conscious and both myself and my niece observed it over time she had become our mother and my niece's grandmother Uh, for several days the things she said the way she acted it was recognizably our mother who died Um, so I've actually seen it with my own eyes this kind of possession but there is a psychological basis for it as well which is this that a child develops an identity somewhat through imitation Mm -hmm. and so the first identity that my sister had came from our mother and so when she was knocked on the head she lost the sense of who she was so this original identity came in and took over so you know she could function that's that's my psychological view but the metaphysical view is more metaphysical and it has to do with actual uh, consciousness that survives death in some way and uh that's ancestral possession so uh, you can see it or at least you can contemplate it as i talked about with with a mother um and a child but uh the ancestors that came before who've died um they are also present just as norman bates's mother was present after she died in some way like i can't i don't claim to exactly understand this whether it's genetic whether it's metaphysical whether it's psychological implants implants i would say it's all three Uh, but one way or another we're an extension of our ancestors Uh, and ancestral possession is when is a negative situation possession by definition I'd say is a negative thing uh, which has to do with um, the unlived life of the ancestors the things they didn't get to do which could be your parents too um, and because they're dead and you're alive you're their only access point to change to do the things they never got to do and so If they can, if you haven't developed a healthy boundary sense of self, autonomy, they will use you as a puppet. And so, I I mean, I think that that is all of us to a degree. I think that's largely the world we live in is like it is because of this.
0: Interesting what you said there about Ed Gein because I recently interviewed Dr. Bob, who himself has was a prison psychiatrist for dozens of killers, including serial killers. And one of the serial killers he interviewed, basically his formula is he goes in, he doesn't just sit down and say, you know, how was your childhood history and all that. He spends months, years forming a bond with them. And then only when the bond is established, then he delves into the trauma because he believes that, and he said that all of them were traumatized as kids. And in particular, there was one serial killer, and this guy was massive, you know, well well over six foot tall, and he was still absolutely terrified of his little old mother, and it was in his head if if she if she traumatized him somehow, and he felt like his identity was threatened. Doctor Bob said it's like they they have a they form a box inside themselves and put this stuff in this box. And his job is to go in and open the box and show them that there's nothing in the box. There's nothing to fear. So this guy was absolutely terrified of his little old mom who was way, you know, way old by this point. And he, he managed to convince him that he didn't have to fear her anymore. He had He had the power in the situation. And once he did that, the person no longer wanted to kill any other prisoners because he said every time one of these serial killers was killing another prisoner, it was because they were killing... A parental figment or if the parents weren't the abusers the figment of an abuser
1: yeah yeah well, it's very common if you look into the serial killers i mean ed kemp came to mind there who was the subject of mind hunter uh he was also sick away well, seven foot tall so he was huge that guy and he cut his mother's head off and he said after that he'd been killing co and cutting their heads off but when he killed his mother then i'm not saying he was cured or anything but that he was basically working his way up to, to that because he was too afraid to actually destroy the thing that was wow. oppressing, him, the person that was oppressing him.
0: Wow. Yeah. All right. So we've got toxic masculinity versus uh, toxic femininity. Uh, in that context, have you looked at the case of Andrew Tate?
1: Oh, I I haven't. I was going to. Too bad I haven't uh, because I saw the documentary that made that second documentary. Uh, no, no, uh, you can fill me in if you want, if you think it'd be helpful.
0: Well, he became extremely successful like selling online courses and stuff. Um, but the origin of his wealth come from a webcam business he established in Romania. So, in some of his courses years ago, he said some extremely misogynistic things about getting women to fall in love with him so we could get them to get naked and get on these webcams and stuff like that. So as he's become more popular, he was the most Googled man on earth last year. Uh, he ended up getting charged with charges of a sexual nature, in romania to do with webcam girls that he that worked for him he was in prison in romania for a bit he's and then he put him on house arrest he's presently not allowed to leave romania and he's facing a possible trial but they seized millions of pounds worth of his assets his Bugattis and his watches and stuff like that so there's probably a financial incentive to liquidate him as well So well, he's divisive. He's divisive. Many of the people who follow him uh, love him. The, a lot of young men love him. He's been heralded by, I think, Jordan Peterson has, has backed him up. Um, Michael Francis has backed him up. Um, but Me Too and other movements have mm-hmm. lambasted him. So there's quite a frenzy online over, over him.
1: yeah well it tends to be the weak the achilles heel of men uh, is their sex drive and if if there's pathology if there are, if there's unresolved trauma the place it's going to affect them and come out in negative ways it most powerfully is in is that is in our I'll say our sex drive um so anyone any man who is successful uh has to be scrutinized in this regard i'm afraid uh not because of toxic masculinity but because power corrupts and power they say i have not had this experience i can't testify to it but they say that social power social status boosts your libido gives you more of a sex drive because it gives you more confidence and it certainly makes you more attractive to women women are more available to you that goes without saying um, so the chances of that being abused are, are very high I would say uh, but I suppose to bring it back to the initial opening thing which was toxic femininity and toxic masculinity i mean i'm not sure if either term I mean one of the problems here that i'm always aware of we're talking about or holding women accountable or mothers accountable for the shape that masculinity is in uh is it can be you pass the back and forth like who did it first it was you no it was you well however it is fairly simple well no it isn't actually i'll I'll take that back i'll say that it's 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 very nuanced it's very because if if a mother like who has heard of mr bates where was where was norman bates dad while mrs bates was traumatizing young norman how did that happen it could only have happened because the father wasn't wasn't around or i suppose he might have been worse than the mother but usually if you have a very dominant draconian mother you've got a, a father without any cojones You've got an emasculated, mother-bonded man who's terrified also of his his wife, and the child suffers for that. But still, that that father is accountable to some degree. And I say, I mean, those are the two most obvious forms of dysfunctional masculinity. You have a diminished masculinity, which is uh, a man who basically doesn't have much sex drive and just kind of avoids it. Maybe it's an incel, it's like this, perhaps. or you have the very abusive masculine Um, but they both relate to the same thing which is a traumatized sexuality and I'd say that they're also complementary in a weird way that if a man has trouble with his libido because of maternal trauma specifically and it can be obviously it can be paternal it's not either or but we're talking about mothers today Um, then one way for him not to be entirely dysfunctional or impotent is to kind of turbocharge his sexuality, not necessarily with Viagra. you might do that, but with a kind of sexual practices which are, for example, violent or abusive, or he'll pick younger women who he can dominate, or he'll become a pedophile or a pedoast to so pick young, very young girl, you know, very you know, young pubescent girls or he'll pick actual children if it goes and which would have to do with when the tra- trauma happened as well because there's another thing going on which is if a child is traumatized in their sexuality um, then they might not they can't really grow up sexually past that stage which is i'd say that's why pedophiles are attracted to children because the part of their sexuality hasn't grown past the age of four or five or whatever it is really so anyway uh, there's a lot of different things in there, but um, so, yeah, toxic masculinity is, is not really a useful term, at least it's, it's, it was a weapon. I think it was, it's certainly become a weapon. Um, and it's become like, not that masculinity is, has been made toxic, because then you'd say, well, what made it toxic and what are the toxins? But the masculinity is toxic, that toxicity is a quality of masculinity. That's the way it's been framed today. You know, that men are bad or wrong somehow, that masculinity is problematic, whereas femininity is good. Um, but, of course, that's nonsense. Uh, it's but very deeply entrenched because you, like I, probably grew up with the, the little rhyme, you know, uh, sugar, uh, what is it, puppy, uh, snails and puppy dogs' tails or what boys <laughs> are made of sugar and spice and all things nice. It's right. That, that rhyme, I grew up with that. that's how deep it goes (laughs) boys bad girls good um so but seeing as that's obviously nonsense doesn't make any sense i mean there's no possible reasoning for that um it has to be somewhat societal but i say before society is family Like society is just a bunch of families and of course social engineering you know the conspiratorial levels and invisible entities but i mean still there's a spectrum from family to society a family is a very small micro society so any toxicity that has attached itself to masculinity has to come from somewhere and the first place you look for is the original uh, influence and as i said all men come out of women's bodies and women's psyche so if a man is deep if his masculinity is somehow compromised uh the mo the, the two places you look are the mother and the father but the original one is the mother because the child the child was in you know didn't meet its father until quite late on in the developmental process really like birth might be the beginning of an individual self but it's not the beginning of our existence um, so well, I, so that's it really. I mean this is this has to be um, addressed is in my case, I have a a very it's now very useful, although it's regrettable, uh, literal embodied example of it, which is that my mother, as I've said on other occasions, was an alcoholic so was my father but which affected me more well since my mother was drinking alcohol in the womb and even in the hospital on the day I was born she snuck in brandy um, obviously that affected me that those toxins went much deeper because I I was gestated not just in blood but in alcohol now that's my mother it's not, it's not the equivalent for everyone but uh, it's, a, it's an example of of what i'm trying to share here today
0: and i recommend people read the opening pages of dandy in the underworld because it describes exactly what you just said about your mother and All it's right. a very very well written book well um, in,
1: in in jimmy Savile's kind of terms because my brother made a big joke out of it sadly
0: he did he he's uh his his wit Uh, had me cracking up definitely All right, so why should people come to your show Jason huge thanks for doing this today it's been fascinating as usual and what's going to happen at the show
1: that's a good question Um, I'm not entirely sure as I said it's with this author Nina Power who wrote a book that came out in paperback this year uh, but the year before in hardback called What Do Men Want and when I first heard that I knew Nina already but I did think that's a bit cheeky uh, how, how does she know, know what memoir and i said i hope you've asked around of course she had um but um we we just somehow hit upon uh doing this event together i mean it's mostly because we i tried to recruit a bunch of people but and they were all guys and one woman and the woman was the only one who really uh had the cojones to do it or She's the only one who actually ended up committing. So it's just me and Nina. There's a dialogue between uh, Miss Power, that's her real name, I'm sure, uh, and uh, me. Uh, It's it's coinciding with the book launch. I mean, that's the the reason for it. So of course, I will be talking about Big Mother, as we've touched on today, a number of themes that are in Big Mother. Um, But it will be, also in a larger, more mainstream context, I imagine, of what men want, what women want, you know, social relations between the sexes. Uh, In which case, I'm hoping that a reason to come is to see two people, not not just telling, but showing the way in which the male and female uh, polarity can work together and cooperate and get to the bottom of a very dark and destructive situation that we're in. I mean, you talk about weaponizing and so on. Well, the sexes have been weaponized, I mean, for, for for decades. We're in, we're kind of through the looking glass now, because again, we're transgender. I mean, you can't even say that a woman is a woman anymore. But, uh, so it's, but still, at base, the split, I say, the split is between man and woman. And I say that the, we haven't touched on uh, metaphysical stuff today but just as a teaser the way in which metaphysical forces of evil which they exist as far as I can see I mean you can unpack what that means but they're non-physical and they, they seem to have anti-life, anti-human agendas uh, and they've they've shaped and control human beings mainly men to create a technology in a society that is a vehicle for their incarnation that's the thesis of Big Mother um, and the, the way their main goal, I say, I mean, I I, I think is to um, is to create uh, an in, uh, unbridgeable gulf or schism between the sexes because it's the image of God it's man and woman. So they can come between man and woman in such a way that no child can be created in, in God's image anymore. Then it's game over. It's game over for the human race. So that that's what why they should come to this event.
0: <laughs> All right. And the event is on Friday, October the 13th in London at the Tea House Theatre Vauxhall Walk. And I will put the link in the description box below this video. It's on Eventbrite if you want to get tickets. And I'll also put the links down there for Jason's books and socials and anything else he's got. So thanks for watching this. Let us know in the comments what you thought. And huge thank you to Jason for spending time with us today. Cheers, my friend.
1: Thanks, Sean. Been fun. Thank you.